Longest psalm in the Bible, 119. So we're in 120, really short one uh, this week. So Psalm 120. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can just come into this room and gather as a family. Just absorb your word, Lord. We want to be like sponges this evening, Lord. We don't want to resist what the Holy Spirit maybe want to do in our lives. We want to take in all of your your word, Lord. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, that you would encourage us through your word this evening, that you would lift our countenances, that you would prepare us for this next week, that we could be truly uh, lights. You call us in your word, children of the light. And Lord, we want to be lights, lights for Jesus, Lord, this week. And I just pray, Father, that you would accomplish that through your word this evening. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 120, I think until Psalm 132, 133 actually, 134. So Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 are called the Psalms of Ascents or Songs of Ascents and the idea behind these song, uh, psalms is that they are actually songs that were sung by the Jewish men and women and families who were going to Jerusalem. There were three feasts every year, which the Old Testament actually required that every male go to these three feasts. That was Passover, Pentecost, and uh, I believe the Day of Atonement. And uh, they would sing these songs on their way to Jerusalem. And everything okay back there? And there are worship songs, but there are also just, just songs that they, they cried from, from the heart. And Psalm 120 is a very interesting one. It says, In my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, Lord, from lying lips. What shall be given to you? Oh, what shall be done to you, you false tongue? Sharp arrows of the warrior with coals of the broom tree. Woe is me that I dwell in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. My soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And so the picture is here of... Someone uh, who is really bumming out about the place that he lives in. It's like in the book of First Peter talks about, I believe it's First Peter, maybe Second Peter, talks about Lot dwelt in Sodom and his soul was vexed by uh by living in Sodom because just of the evil behavior there and, and day in and day out, his soul was vexed. Well, this is a similar idea here. Verse 5, Woe is me that I dwell in Meshech, 
that I dwell among the tents of Kadar, that you know, they, they, these are people who didn't live, probably written by people, someone who didn't live in Jerusalem. Again, these are songs that they sung on the way to Jerusalem. They lived in a place where, man, they, they, they seem to be just, it's like the, the evil just coming in on them and just... Uh, you know how it can be when when you're despairing sometime when you just uh, look around and the world seems to be getting so evil and you know uh, in this country uh, just sometimes it's just really really uh, discouraging sometimes just the things that that um, that you that you hear and part of you is like woe is me that I dwell in the United States of America. I mean, my kids, you know, come home with, uh, with uh, stories from school and uh, and and it really is quite alarming. I, you know, I, I guess I, I didn't know this until my kids told me that. Uh, well, some of you may be not shocked at all. I was kind of shocked that parents in high school uh, these days they think nothing of letting their uh, you know a boy go over to a girl's house and just spending the night sleeping with them and vice versa and parents just my kids say that parents just let their kids do that it's like wow i mean that is pretty unbelievable to me and it is an erosion of just the moral culture here and it's uh, it's becoming unglued and and sometimes it's just like verse 5 woe is me that I dwell in Meshach in the United States of America uh, but praise the Lord it, 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 you know the, the picture here is that they're going to Jerusalem and the picture there remember in the Old Testament these Old Testament pictures apply to us today and and Jerusalem and Israel uh, we are now the Israel of God. Israel has its own separate place and it, it, still in, in the, God's economy, but we've been grafted in. We are the Israel. We are the Jerusalem. We, and, and, and praise God that we sometimes it's just so wonderful to be able to just go to church and be with the family of God. <laughs> You know, when we're living in uh, this kind of society and uh, just be refreshed there. But I like verse six. He's just this is just the cry of this guy's heart. My soul has dwelt too long in this place. And sometimes it is the cry of, you know, our hearts again, lot living in Sodom, his soul vexed day after day because of the evil behavior of, of, of the people there. And, uh, and so this is one of the songs that they would uh, sing on their way to Jerusalem. Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, this verse is uh, a very well-known verse. People sing songs with this verse. They quote this verse. And they should be quoting this verse because this is such an important... This is such an important... This needs to be such an important part of our faith that we, when we lift up our eyes, it, 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 when, when something is going on in our lives that we can't sort out, uh, 
that we recognize that our help comes from the Lord. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And, you know, just I find, you know, over the years, I've just gotten to the habit of going to the Lord quicker with things. You know, I, 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 because that's what this is talking about. It says our eyes should be constantly in every situation throughout the day shifting and focusing on the Lord. I lose my wallet. What, what do my eyes do? My eyes go to and fro throughout the whole house. You know, I look in the dog cage to see if the dog put uh, my wallet in there. I look, uh, you know, in the couch and I'm throwing off the pillows of the couch. Isn't there? I'm looking at the you know, last five days of pants that I wore, even though I lost my wallet yesterday. And my eyes are going to and fro, uh, you know, in this dresser and that uh, dresser. And all of a sudden I say, I haven't fixed my eyes on the Lord. And I'm like, Lord, where is my wallet? Lead me to my wallet. We just lost a bunch of money the other day. And I just, uh, you know, looking around all over the place and all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, let's stop, pray. Where is this money, Lord? And within 30 seconds, Sam comes in with all these big dollar bills, you know, you know, into the living room like that. And so, um, but, it, but, but I just find that, you know, particularly with technology and computers, you know, our eyes look here and there. We need to set our eyes, I I lift my eyes to the hills and recognize where our help comes from, from the Lord of heaven and earth. And I don't want to, you know, trivialize this because, you know, there's losing your wallet. And then what about losing a a relationship, a marriage, a job, a financial fix? And our first reaction is, you know, our eyes go to and fro thinking about every human device that we can think of to try to solve the problem. Our eyes go from plan A to plan B to plan C to plan D. And then we, when we get to plan Z, we go back to plan AA, plan BB, you know. And, and, and we need to better to fix our eyes uh, on the Lord. It says, who made heaven and earth. Who made heaven and earth, who he will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He will not behold. He who keeps Israel, verse four, shall neither slumber nor sleep. I heard that there is uh, one of those some gadget. You know, the, you know those things you get on a plane, the Sky Mall thing, and they, every conceivable gadget you can think of on the face of the earth on those things. You know, one of those things that you can buy, and those Sky Mall things is, is you can buy this device which, um, you, you like stick it on your ear or something, and if your head bobs down, all of a sudden like this little horn goes off. You know, so and, and you use it for like for nighttime driving, you know, so it's supposed to be safe. And, you know, you're driving along and and, you know, you like this, you know, that's what happens. And, you know, I never, you know, you buy that stuff. You got to be very careful because, you know, 
wind up going, you know, right in the middle of the day when you're not going to sleep. We just have this remote control with our TV and we fixed up the thing for parental controls and, and, and now it's broken. You basically, sometimes you can't watch anything on this TV because it just blocked out everything. But anyway, the Lord never has the problem. We don't ever, ever have the problem with the Lord of falling, um, uh, him falling asleep. And, and this is such a basic thing that the Lord doesn't, doesn't slumber nor sleep. But I have a question for you. Do you really live out your life with Christ believing that? That he doesn't sleep or, or slumber? Do you really? I, I, yeah, this has been such an incredibly comforting thing for me over the years. That if I wake up at 3 in the morning, everyone is asleep... I can immediately go into the presence of the Lord. And I, I really, it's been so comforting to me. And it, it just, I just think about it. Wow, I can just immediately talk to God and know that he is there and he's waiting for me. Brian Vanacota, who came uh, a couple weeks ago and did our men's retreat, told me that he was speaking with a medical doctor in Peru and was asking this woman, this doctor, why she prayed to Mary. And he said she gave a very common response. She said, well, because God the Father is is so busy. You know, that she, she goes to Mary uh, and says, this is an educated woman giving this, uh, giving this answer. But it, what it reflects is a lack of understanding of the word of God. God doesn't slumber nor sleep. He is there. Um, he, he's always there. But you know, in, 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 in verse 2, this is important too, speaking of very basic things. It says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I, I, I just want to ask uh, this to you as well. When you go to the Lord, are you really believing that? That God made the heaven and the earth? Do you really, really believe that? Because if you do, it will profoundly affect the way that you come to the Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He made heaven and earth. And that's who God is. And, you know, today, a lot of times we need to define who the Lord is. You can be talking with someone nowadays and they can be talking about God and God came to my rescue and he comforted me and this thing. And the other day I talked to him and he gave me the answer to this and he healed me. And then you start asking them about God. And as it turns out that their God and your God are completely two different things. Their God is, you know, God is, is, is the light within. It's like a pantheistic concept where he's in everything. He's in the trees and he's in the, he's in the rocks and he's in the animals. And, and, you know, but the question to ask someone like that is, well, did he make heaven and earth? <laughs> and the answer is no. <laughs> and, and, we need to understand these very basic 
concept. We lived in, in, in a world where people would throw out the name the Lord all the time. But it's not the Lord who made heaven and earth. But our God, it says, made the heaven and, heavens and the earth. And when we approach him, we need to understand, one, that he made the heavens and the earth. And two, that he doesn't sleep nor slumber. So basic, so incredibly basic, but so Im- incredibly uh, neglected and not even believed in the body of Christ, uh, those things. And I, I can't go to God, you know, he's busy with five billion other people. Verse five, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your keeper. Jude 24 says the Lord, it refers to the Lord who is able to keep you from falling. The Lord is able to keep you from falling. Do you believe that? Do you, do you believe that the Lord is your keeper? The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. Do you believe that the Lord will preserve your soul? That is what the Bible says. It says that the Lord preserves your soul. And there's so much teaching out there that know the Lord won't necessarily preserve your soul, but that's what the Bible teaches. You know, Josh Davis, uh, who you all know, or many of you know, he uh, and I have been looking at trying to do a new believer's booklet for when people come to the Lord. It's good to give people a little booklet a succinct explanation of, okay, now I just asked Jesus in my life, what do I do? What now? And some of you, have, have you ever read those things? They say, you know, you're supposed to pray, you're supposed to go to church, and uh, you're supposed to uh, read the Bible, this type of thing. Important. But anyway, Josh uh, just, we decided that he would just write one from scratch. And so he just wrote one from scratch. And I really like how he... He begins this this little booklet, and we're going to try to get this thing printed up. Because usually, when you you read those booklets, it, it reads just like that. You're supposed to pray. You're supposed to read your, the Bible. You're supposed to be in fellowship, and you're supposed to witness. But he he began it with a paragraph that just says, "The most important thing now is that you get to know God, and you understand that God's priority for you." is that you know him. And I really like that because a lot of these booklets, it throws someone into sort of a works-based mentality. <laughs> and, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. But, but without understanding that, look, God wants you to know him. And this psalm is filled with this type of thing of getting to know God in a very basic way. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't sleep or slumber. He is your keeper He shall preserve your soul from all evil. Verse uh, verse 8 says, The Lord shall preserve your coming in and your coming, rather your going out and your coming in from this time and forevermore. So, um, anyway, let's, let's go on. Psalm 122. 
I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And this is a psalm of David. So I think this is a a really interesting, sort of neat glimpse into the heart of David. It's this someone came to him and said, Let's go into the house of the Lord. Yeah. That's great. That's so encouraging. Yeah, let's go. And this is the king saying this. You know, sometimes when you ask someone, look, uh, why haven't why haven't you been to church lately? Let, let's go to church. They get offended. They get offended at you. And that's usually a red flag that something desperately wrong is going in uh, going on inside of their heart. Here's a here's a man with a heart after the Lord. Someone comes to him and says, Hey David, let's go to the house of the Lord. It says he was glad. I was glad when they said that to me. Verse two, our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Verse three, Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. Really what that's saying in verse 3 is that Jerusalem was a very small city. It was a very small city. Uh, Josephus said that during Passover, up to 2 million people came inside the city. And that's a pretty incredible thing, uh, considering how small that city is. You can only imagine uh, what it was like Uh, to be there. Verse 4, it says, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. And so, so often our attitude about church is, what can we get from the service? What can we get from God? What can we get from the people? But here we read in verse 4, Really, a right attitude is, what can we give? Well, we can give thanks. That's a great attitude to have. Let's go to the house of the Lord so that we can give him thanks. So that we can give. Verse 5, for thrones are set there for their judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Speaking of Jerusalem, speaking of Israel, may they prosper who love you. Now, I am a firm believer that the reason the United States has prospered in such an abundant way I mean, the prosperity of, of this nation is just really unparalleled in the history of the world when you look at sort of your average person living here and the, the standard of, of, of living. But I believe, I'm one of the, those who really believe that the reason is, is that we have been a supporter of Israel uh, in a very, very aggressive kind of way. I mean, we have completely gotten behind 
that country. And I don't know how, how much of you have done research into the whole Israel thing, but that is not the case with the vast majority of countries in the world. The vast majority of countries in the world hate Israel. In fact, do a little research upon uh, on the United Nations and all the resolutions that the United Nations have made against Israel year after year after year for certain things that they do which are going on in many other places of the world and they're not being condemned at all. They're just being singled out. And and it, it looks remarkably like some of the prophecies that you see in the Old Testament about, you know, the nations just coming against um, Israel. And... The Word of God says, may they prosper who love you. In uh, the book of Genesis, I mean, there's many, there, there's many, many verses about, the, uh, about this, but uh, God says to, to Abraham, those that love you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. And if you look at the nations who curse Israel, in very many ways, you just look at them and what has happened to their country, and it is as if they're under a curse in many ways. And yet this country has been so blessed, and, you know, the day I tell you that we decide to sort of withdraw and oppose uh, Israel and uh, not support them... You know, I really fear what's going to happen to this country. Now, none of this means that everything that Israel does is right. Uh, we should not endorse every political decision that they do. Their government clearly, clearly makes mistakes. Uh, and sometimes they, you know, they do things that are very puzzling. But we should recognize that they have a special place in God's economy and the word of god is just um from beginning to end really does it indicate that those who bless israel prosper i heard the story about this this man that chuck smith knows he just began uh wonder of wonders just to take the word of god literally and so he started just taking verses out of the Bible and applying them in his life. He would do things like, you know, the Bible says those who give to the poor, uh, uh, or is it th th those who, who give, is it those who loan to the poor give to God, or those who loan, uh, those who give to the poor loan to God? I, which one is it? I, 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 what was that? Those who give to the poor lend to God. And so um, he just started just really, really, he, he was becoming uh, successful in his business. Um, and he just started really just applying that all around his community. And then uh, he uh, read uh, this verse and verses like it, may those who... Uh, it, may they prosper those who love you. And he just decided that um, he was going to give um, a lot of money to Jerusalem. So he went to Chuck Smith and he gave him a check for $450,000. Uh, 
uh, and said, I just, Chuck Smith was like going to Jerusalem the next week. And he, he uh, so he gave him this check for $450,000. I actually remember hearing about how uh, Chuck presented it to the mayor. Um, and, you know, here you are, here's cash uh, to them. So, you know, interesting, you know, interesting literal application of, of the word of God. I'm never going to criticize someone for, uh, for doing that, but this man uh, was just prospered enormously just by uh, taking the, the word of God literally like that. It does say that we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem in verse 6. Verse 7, peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palace for the sake of my brethren and companions. I will now say peace be within you because of the house of the Lord our God. I will seek your good. Psalm 123. I love this psalm. Unto you I lift up my eyes. So again, I love the basics. The the basics. If we're good in our fundamentals, so many times we major in the minors rather than majoring in the majors, and this is one of them, just keeping our eyes on the Lord. Until you, I lift up my eyes. O you who dwell in the heavens. I love this. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. And so there's just this picture of someone, a child of God, being in just a season of affliction and just waiting by faith for the Lord to come and just come through for them. And, and there's the picture of a servant looking to the hand of their master. And, and I, you've probably have seen this um, before. I don't know, you know, if, if some of you, have, you know, just in the workforce, you know, your boss, you, you just, you want to, you want to bless your boss. And you're always just sort of looking to see there's any little movement or whatever as to whether your boss wants you to go here or there. And, and the picture here is... Um, at a at a table, a dining table, where the master has servants at the table, and the servant is just looking at his master, and just a subtle motion in the master's hands, the servant knows exactly what it is and runs and and does it. Knows exactly what's happening. Or, or, or the eyes of the maid to the hand of their, her mistress. The, maid, the, the maids just love the mistress so much. And, and they're just so focused that this all day they're just looking and looking for, you know, how can I serve? What kind of need uh, does she have that I can just immediately, uh, immediately meet? So there's just... There's that just that gaze upon the the master of the house or, or the or the the mistress um, of the house. So our eyes look to the Lord our God. I've told this story sometime, but 
you know, growing up on and off, I lived in South America and Venezuela. And down there, you know, the waiters that at restaurants, it's not like here, you know. 99% of waiters in the United States, they're going to school or something. They don't want to be waiters for the rest of their life. They're doing it for some other purpose or waiting tables. Well, down there, no, they're waiters for basically they're professional waiters. And uh, they're so much better than the waiters here. And they really know how to serve. And I just, re- you know, just remember Stephanie and I sitting down, eating, and uh, Stephanie dropped her fork. And right as she dropped her fork, Two waiters rushed to the table. One grabbed the fork and another put a fork in front of her. Like within three seconds. And, and, and so, and, and, and the interesting thing down there at the restaurants is that you'll get three guys and they never say a word. You know, in the United States, you know, they'll come up to you. You're right in the middle of this deep conversation. How is everything? Everything going okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. But down there, they never mention a word to you. They, they just two or three guys just looking intently at your table to see that you know is there any kind of need. And it's it's really just a wonderful um, experience dining out there. But so our eyes look to the Lord our God. So this very basic but so important concept of all day long, fixing our eyes on, Lord, what is it that you want in this situation in my life? And, and really what this means, this is really describing a spirit-filled life. Galatians 5.13, we quoted this morning, you know, it, it was, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh because you're tuned in your eyes are looking to the lord verse three have mercy on us O lord have mercy on us for we are exceedingly filled with contempt our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorn of those who are at ease with the contempt of the proud so the really cool thing about this psalm this psalm is describing someone who is in the midst of a very very long hard trial but they're not going to move until the lord tells them to move you know i was just counseling some folks today who are you know they 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 were in a hard trial and they just couldn't take it anymore and so rather than keep their eyes fixed on the lord they 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 allowed satan just to knock them off knock them off off of that place of grace and you know now they have to live with sort of cleaning the, the situation up whereas there's this picture here of this they're in this exceedingly hard trial but the harder the trial gets the more their eyes are just fixed on the lord for him to come through understanding that the lord is putting them through this for a purpose so I love that psalm, Psalm 123. Psalm 124, if, I also love this song, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when man, men rose up against us, 
then they would have swallowed us alive when their wrath was kindled against us. And you know, brothers and sisters, I I just hope that the Lord opens your eyes in the way, this is another Psalm of David, he opened the eyes of David where David just understood, wow, if the Lord did not come through for me, if he did not rescue me, I would have been wiped out. I would have been, verse 3, swallowed alive. You know, I just know in my life that this is just so true. I look back on a number of circumstances and I'm like, wow. If the Lord had not been on my side, I would have been swallowed alive. The wrath of the enemy would have just, when the wrath of the enemy was just kindled against me, then verse 4, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. And a lot of people complain to me about having dry devotion times. Actually, I'm going to get that to that also in a minute. But one of the things that will really, really uh, moisten up or bring water to your soul during your devotion times, ask the Lord to really, in the most stark kind of way, get you to reflect on this very concept that, man... 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 6 months ago, if the Lord had not rescued me, the waters would have overwhelmed me. Just in your devotion time, just taking some time just to reflect what would have happened without the Lord. Verse 4, the stream would have gone over my soul. The swollen waters, verse 5, would have gone over our soul. Verse 6, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't allow Satan to rip me into shreds. Verse 7, our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And you know, today at, uh, at a meeting after church... We just had a meeting about me going full-time, working part-time now, three days a week, going full-time. and It really is, you know, so important that there's a tendency to say, okay, so, you know, we're figuring out how, what our expenses are and we're figuring out what the income is and the really uh, that we're going to be receiving from the church. And, and there's such a tendency to fix our eyes on that income rather than, Understanding this very basic concept that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. If we get our basics down, our fundamentals down, our life will be so much more fruitful, will be so much of a greater witness uh, for the Lord. Verse 25, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which cannot be moved, but abides forever. 
As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. You know, we talked about in verse 121, I mean, Psalm 121, about how the Lord will preserve us. And here again, we read that the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. You know, and living in the city sometimes, you this is another time where you just you have to trust the Lord. Someone was like mugged right in front of our house, right in front of our house. Actually, there's been many muggings right in front of our, right around our house uh, in Mission Hill over the years. But and you know, you t- I talk with my kids and we take reasonable precautions and and that type of thing. But supremely, I need to trust in the Lord. I need to trust in the Lord. When we go to Haiti, uh, there's a lot of stuff that can happen to you down there. And you take reasonable precautions, but you don't trust supremely in, in, in the devices of man. You don't do foolish things. You don't tempt the Lord. You, know, you don't walk around Port-au-Prince with big fat gold chains on you and <laughs> by yourself. You don't do foolish things and tempt the Lord because that's just like mocking God when you do that. But in a sense it is. But you trust in the Lord. The Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. And if something does happen, if you do get mugged or whatever, God's going to be glorified in it in one way or another. He's going to use it. Verse 3, For the setter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. This is a really interesting verse. For the setter of the wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. And this really shows of the Lord's heart towards his children. He doesn't want his children to easily just reach out their hands to iniquity and just go, hmm, you know, like this. He wants to preserve a nation where righteousness is exalted. And you know, that's why it's so important that we are salt here in the United States and that, that, we, that we, you know, just take this really, really serious, that the Lord has us here and we need to take a stand for righteousness. Verse 4, do good, O Lord, to those who are good and those who are upright in heart, for such uh, as turn aside to their uh, crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them away with the workers of iniquity. Peace be upon Israel. Verse, uh, Psalm 126, when the Lord brought the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nation, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. 
Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. And so uh, this uh, psalm, probably written after the Babylonian exile, after Israel had been defeated by Nebuchadnezzar, they were taken away to Babylon for a, a period of seven years, and now they're returning, and they're just filled with gladness. But there is an application again to the body of Christ that, you know, church is a place where, you know, I, 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 there are people who drive long distances to come to this church so that they can worship here and, and, and study the Word of God and, and, and fellowship together. And if your heart is not in that place where, you know, going to church, like we already read about in Psalm 122, where David says, it was, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. If, if that's not your attitude towards getting together with the, the family of God, you need to seek the Lord. Something is out of whack uh, in your heart because this is what really is what the heart that the Lord you know, wants us to have. It says, Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad that, that in other words, the, the picture is, is that you know, an unbeliever coming into the house uh, 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 of the Lord is like, Wow, surely God is in this place. Like it says in First Corinthians. Now, many times we're like, I don't want to go to church. It's the last thing in the entire world I want to do. I, you know, that thing I did last night, or I'm just feeling just so much under attack. But, but and, and, you know, you just you need to go by faith, recognizing what the Lord has done there for you in the past. And you need to go there by faith, just recognizing what the, recognizing what the Bible says takes place, uh, you know, in a church service and, and, and you need to go by faith because the Bible says that you're supposed to be there. But the heart that God wants to fashion in us is this very thing right here. It says, as those who, uh, as those who dream when the Lord brought back us from the captivity of Zion. Verse 5 says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The sheaves are, you know, sort of after the harvest, the, the sheaves of wheat or barley or, or, or whatever that are part of the harvest. And so these are some real interesting verses. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. You know, I really, I pray to the Lord and ask the Lord, what are these two verses talking about? <laughs> Those who sow in tears shall, shall reap in joy. 
those who continually go forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again uh, with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with with him. You know, I, I ministry and sowing can often be almost a process of of dying. You're sort of dying to your flesh, and many times ministry has to be done completely in faith. And I can't think of, you know, how many times I've had to sow in tears while preparing a sermon, you know, because oftentimes the heart of my preparation, because I have worked, uh, you know, I've been working jobs, has been at the very heart and best time on a Saturday when I really wanted to be with my family and I had to but I had to sow in tears but over the years I have reaped in joy I absolutely positively have because God honors that he does honor that and and there's a lot of ministry a lot of ministry is it is just a joy ministering but there's a lot of ministry where it's like this. It's sowing in tears. I think of, of marriage counseling. I, I, I really, really do not like it. It's very stressful. It's draining. It takes... It, 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 it's not a happy time at all. When you have two people in front of you, they went into a marriage filled with all kinds of dreams, and now they're just completely at enmity with one another. Now I find myself in the middle of it. I'm sowing in tears. Now God has very much gifted me, I believe, in that particular area. And believe me, any if you have marital problems, don't say, well, Steve doesn't like it, so I'm not going to go to him. No, I'm here to sow in tears into your life. <laughs> That's what a pastor does. But it's not only pastors, everyone. It's, it's just part of ministry. You sow in tears. But praise the Lord, as you sow in tears, you shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seeds for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And it's just been wonderful just being able, and really with marriages in this church, to, to, to uh, you know, bringing the sheaves where marriages have been restored here. And I played a part in that. And just obviously the teaching of the Word of God and missions and, um, and, and prayer and evangelism that goes on in the church. You know, going out, the, the, once again, uh, we have been going out on Saturday nights uh, every, every summer for six or seven years now. And I just think of an area where you really do so in tears. Because before on a Saturday night, I'm like, this is the last thing in the entire world I want to do. But, you know, you, you, you by faith, you know, uh, you go do it. And how many times I have gone out myself, sowing in tears, but reaping in joy. By the end of the evening, just a couple hours, all of a sudden you just come back and there's joy in your heart because... Uh, you saw the, the, the Lord work in such a great way. So uh, that's how ministry is. 
there, there, there's joy. There's a lot of joy in ministry, but there is sowing in tears. But praise the Lord. Even as Jesus wept, he sowed in tears. Uh, we're just following in his footsteps. And Paul says in Philippians, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. And so uh, sometimes that happens just in the context of serving the Lord. So anyway, I will uh, end there. We'll uh, pick up next in Psalm 127. I'm going to close tonight uh, with prayer.